to the Hacking Your Health podcast with Ben Kenning and Dave Kennedy. Two guys heading out to hack body, mind, business, and beyond. We are here to provide a single source, bullshit-free guide to understanding your body and how you can live better for longer. Yo, what's up, everybody? Just a bit of a pre-introduction to this episode. I have spent countless hours of the past five days trying to work out how I can improve the sound quality. I'm not sure where the issue came from, um, but I definitely do know that there is a lot of heavy breathing coming from my end. So if you can bear with the poor sound quality, um, it's not terrible, but it's just not perfect. I think that you'll enjoy the episode and the conversation. We obviously had Helmi on to talk about what he's been up to, who he works with, what his coaching philosophy is, and ultimately what he has been going through or what it takes to prep for a professional bodybuilding competition. So bear with us. Apologies. It will be. It has been sorted, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks. Socks sold. You know what? <laughs> Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, I'm Ben Canning. I'm Dave Kennedy. I'm Hamley Danini. And this is another episode of Hacking Your Health Podcast. So obviously, you have all heard us speak in great lengths about Helmy. I don't even know if you've heard about how much that we've spoken about you in this podcast. <laughs> so I'm glad that we, we finally got you on. Um, if you want to tell everybody a bit about yourself, what you've been up to, what's going on, then we can get into the conversation. Yep, no worries at all. So, just off the training arms. <laughs> uh, so, a little bit about me. At the minute, I'm on the road to going pro uh, professional bodybuilding. I'm currently 15 days out from my first attempt at my first show. Um, outside of that, run a coaching business. And I don't think there's anything more going on in my life, man. Is there apart from bodybuilding and my clients? I literally just work and I train. Um, my lifestyle is my hobby. No, I think that's pretty much it. What about, like, what sort of people do you work with? Because I think that's probably a general misconception with you. Yeah, so a lot of people believe that I only work with bodybuilders. But the reality is, my background, I would say, it would be deep in the psychology. Um, I studied Dr. John Martini, his course twice on human behavior and psychology. And just as a person, I like to... Um, I'm just quite liberal. I like to look into things and I don't have a narrow mind. So I would also take that approach into my business, which makes my clientele pretty diverse. Um, I don't just work with bodybuilders. I work with general population. Um, a big thing that I work on with my clients also would be just mindset before we actually touch on the physique stuff. So um, in terms of if I could narrow it down to a specific demographic, pretty much people that want to increase the quality of their life, but they're in a position to actually devote the time and energy to training and nutrition. That would be my clientele. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because I think, again, and I mean, full disclosure, you and I obviously worked on the gym floor together for 
four, four or five years. And I think there was that, like, people looked at you and had this certain, like, oh, he's just a fucking meathead bodybuilder. But then whenever they actually had a conversation, like, geez, he's talking to me about, like, the meaning of shit and, like, life stuff. Like, I wasn't fucking prepared for that. And I'm like, yeah, tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. Like, a lot of people do misconceive me. Probably on the gym floor because I was always grumpy and angry. I always looked angry. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's I suppose it's, it's it's a stigma that comes with bodybuilding. Um, whenever I, I actually, you know what, I was vlogging the other day and I was in the car and I was listening to Lewis Capaldi. Um, I don't know what it was, but it was pretty, you know, pretty heartfelt. And I find I find it with stuff like that, you know, guys that are on the same journey as me, pro bodybuilding. It's all about wearing, you know, one specific mask, and that mask is masculinity. But I don't like for me personally, I'm just a human and I don't mind, you know, as I said, I'm liberal. I don't mind testing different things. So um, I, th I do think that's where I am a little bit different from most bodybuilders because I don't mind, you know, showing my vulnerabilities and just questioning things beyond surface level. So everyone who has that uh, perception of me, you're all wrong. I'm not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that, that I mean obviously you know stuff that we've done before and conversations that we've had in the gym and even stuff that Ryan's been able to record like I think those sort of insights to actually you is what you know would will set you apart from other coaches and other bodybuilding coaches and it will sort of take that that stigma away I'm going to pass it over to Dave because obviously like we said we've we've had many a conversation about you and I've sent them across a couple of videos that we've done and I'm sure I can tell he has a fucking list of questions to go into so over to you Dave well, first of all, help me. I think I, I know you better than you think. I mean, I, Ben talks about you all the time in, in a good way. And, uh, and obviously, you know, he shows all the training videos and everything else. And, uh, so appreciate, uh, you know, all the stuff that you do with Ben as well. But, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess getting into it, like, what's, what's your week look like on a bodybuilding perspective? Because, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I'm very interested in that kind of, kind of physique and getting bigger and growing and, and those types of things. What does your, like, general week look like? And, and where did you start off with? I mean, we were always big. I mean, we were always, you know, like how did how did you start off, and like where how did you get to where you're at, and what's your general week look like on a regular basis? Yeah. So was I always big? Yes, I came out of my mom at 100 kilo, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Had a cigarette in his mouth, the bench pressing 300. And, you know. <laughs> so a, a, general, a general week. Um, th this is the thing, you know, with this prep, with I think with my routine, it's more. It's not it's not as complex, Dave, but it it just takes a lot of time. It's very time consuming. So from a trainer perspective, it actually isn't too bad. I I, I only train four days a week at the minute. Um, but outside of that, um, do like do you want the nitty gritty of my routine, or do you want me to just give you a general scale? We want the nitty gritty. Get the nitty gritty, man. Yeah, you, yeah, don't 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 gloss over this. We want to know exactly what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so every single day I will do the same thing. I have obviously, you know, I have non-negotiables that I have to do. As soon as I get up in the morning, the first thing I'll do is I will go into my mirrors and I will pose for roughly between six to seven minutes. After I pose, I'll go in and I'll get a cold shower. Um, after the cold shower, I will then go in. Cold showers are a touchy subject around here. Dave does not like the cold in any way, shape, or form. No, <laughs> you're not going to catch me in really? a cold shower. Sorry. <laughs> there, it's it's funny actually. There there's some people that, that say to me, "I love a cold shower," and then when we talk about it, they're like, 
No, I don't get in there cold shower. I get out of a cold shower, but I get in there warm shower. Like, that's not a cold shower. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, there's, uh, there's no cold at all. Like I won't get in or out in a cold shower. So no worries either way. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then after that, I will literally set my supplements out um, for the day ahead. And then I think I counted the other day in terms of vitamins. I don't know if I should probably say this. I'll probably scare people. But at the minute, vitamin ways, I'm taking 40 tablets a day. Um, there's only one guy. There's only one guy that we had a bit of an altercation with about multivitamins, but we barred him from the Discord, so nobody's afraid of supplements right now. Yeah, we, we banned him, so you're good on the supplement side. <laughs> Happy days. Um, so yeah, um, get my supplements ready. After that, um, I need to get my food ready, and what else do I have to do? Yeah, supplements, food, prep everything. My powders, like protein powder, after I train. Do all that stuff, and then I'll literally come down to my gym. I have my office here, and um, I'll do work. And in between work, I'll train for like two to three hours. And then after that, it's literally just train, work, train, work. Um, and that's literally it. It, do, it doesn't seem exciting, but for me, you know. When you say when you say train and work after the two or three hours, do you mean you train for two or three hours, and then you also do additional training and working throughout the day? No, so I will only okay. train. Like today, today I train for eighty minutes, and then okay. I'm free to to work whenever I want. So I don't set a specific time on training. I'll either do a bit of work, train, or just train, and then just have the rest of the day doing work. Got it. And so you typically, I mean, like on on average, if you were just to go like full out on a workout uh, for a day, how long would that typically take you? About eighty minutes, you know, hour and a half. Yeah. So upper body stuff will take. One hour, one hour thirty. Legs will take two hours. And you only two train four days a week. <laughs> two hours thirty. Yeah, uh, me, 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 me and Ben have this thing where I don't know why, but around the training window, I sort of procrastinate a little bit. But yeah, mm. um, with, with, like we'll train it two, so I have to get there at half one. <laughs> yeah, it's to be honest, it works. It does work. <laughs> It works for you. It doesn't work for anybody else. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, with, with the four days a week, so I personally believe the only reason why I'm doing this is because it's down to skill acquisition. So obviously lifting weights takes a great deal of skill in order to reap the benefits from it. So your recovery, sorry, your split is based on how you recover. I find for me because I know how to you know, I know how to uh, bring intensity to my sessions. If I start to go beyond four sessions per week, I'm going into diminishing returns because my body can't recover from the amount of intensity that I go up. And then on the other end of that, people can say, well, why don't you just not train as hard and train more frequently? And for me, it's not about that. It's about being in a session and training as hard as I can on the day. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, Ben's been telling me, I, so I lift six days a week and, uh, and it's, you know, I do high intensity all the time too, but I try to get on the second phase of my week, I get more towards higher volume and rep ranges versus, you know, intensity on the, the earlier week. So it's a little bit less on impact on the body, but Ben's been telling me for a long time that six days a week is probably too much. So I have probably been true. saying it's, it's yeah. definitely, it's definitely too much. For, do you, me, do you incorporate you know, any type of like cardio or anything like that? Uh, if you call walking cardio, Dave, then yes, I'll do two point zero four a day. 
Yeah. But what's, we've had that, we've uh, had as far as like eating, as far as, far as eating in, in general, like, sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> go, you go, you go. It's okay. You go ahead. All right. As far as far as eating, like, what what's your uh, total daily energy expenditure, and like, what are you eating from a calorie perspective? And are you, you know, when you're training, and obviously you're getting more towards the the competition phase, are you more in a deficit to cut up? And what does that look like? And how do you manage that? And you know, understanding your weight and calories and all that stuff. Yep. So I've obviously offloaded all this to my coach, but I have a you know I have an understanding with food. Um, we started on I think it was around four thousand five hundred calories, Dave. We then tapered that up to around five thousand five hundred calories. Um, oh my gosh! Carb my <laughs> carbohydrates. I think we reached like eight hundred grams of carbohydrates. And see, to be honest, it was fine. I was digesting it well. There was no issues. I was still relatively lean. Um, and then from the 5,500, that's whenever we started to draw back, obviously, like 10 weeks out from the competition. So at the minute, from 5,500 on week 10, I'm currently 15 days out and I'm on 3,500. To be honest, I can't see myself going below that because I, I don't know why. I just shut down. <laughs> like, I have to eat a little bit more calories than the normal person because I, I, I lose weight very, very fast. Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> I think uh, I think that's a good that's a good point to note in terms of of the food side of things. And obviously, you know, you and I spoke about this before that you know the first time that you prepped, you obviously had to take things much lower because there physically was was less of you. And I think you know you sent three thousand five hundred calories. People were like, oh my fucking god, three thousand five hundred calories. But in the grand scheme of things, of of where you had to take things to sort of bring them back. Is it a struggle? Because I know it was only, I guess it was only two weeks ago that you were like, I don't think I am really struggling, but I've sort of noticed that the past week or so, you've been a wee bit like on the edge for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so recently, um, uh, I'm not going to lie, it has been a lot harder with regards to the energy. Um, it's not it's not unbearable, but what I do notice is sometimes I'm not with it cognitively and physically. I'm just not there. So, when I'm walking, it sounds so silly, but I'm walking up a small incline and I'm trying to keep my whole body straight because I feel like if I bend over, it burns more energy. So it's just little things like that. Um, but I also feel like I'm floating when I'm walking because, I don't know, uh, energy is obviously low at the minute. But as I said, it's not. I'm not at a stage where I'm like ready to throw the ball in. I can keep going, but... I know I'm in a deficit at the minute, yeah. And I think, you know, I get a good probably point to note about this is the the approach that you're taking with your coach specifically is quite a hardcore approach. Like it is, you know, it's a lot of boxes to tick. It's quite hardcore. And I know obviously from you from before, like you would still sort of have that mentality to the point that you told me the last time that you prepped that you would treat yourself by heating your food up whenever it started to get, started to get difficult because you're eating all your meals fucking cold when we sat in Costa. But the, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, for people who are thinking about this and they're like looking at the whole process, the, the approach that you take normally is quite a hardcore one. But especially specifically working with Patrick, it seems to be like level up in terms of the, the boxes to tick and the, the things to do. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Like if you look at someone else, not even someone, if you put 10 people together and they're also on the same journey as me, 
I can guarantee that my approach is a lot more sophisticated, a lot more complex than all the other guys. And I think the reason why is because with my coach, he works with boys that are on the Olympia stage. So I'm basically following an approach that the highest level bodybuilders are actually currently doing at the minute. And with other coaches, they're, you know, up and coming, you could say, and they haven't reached that level. So I'm being handed down what the Olympians are doing. And I think that's why it is so complex. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's definitely different from most other people that are on the same journey as me. Do you feel, do you feel that, uh, like where where does this go? Where are you where do you want to go with it? Obviously, you're getting into the the pro bodybuilding side of the house. Like, where's where's your ultimate desire to be at? I mean, obviously, competing on stage is that is that where you want to ultimately be at? Honestly, Dave, <laughs> this is going to sound funny, but as much as as much as you know, my whole life it is bodybuilding oriented. I. In the future, I don't want to be that guy who's going to be doing show after show after show. And hopefully what I'm about to say doesn't get back to the Federation. But once I receive my pro card and I get pro status, I genuinely can't say that I have a deep desire to continue going and to beat the pros. If anything, on this journey, it's made me realize that I do want a little bit more flexibility in my life. And so it's just a personal goal. I'm not doing this for the sport, whereas a lot of other people do. And there's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with me not doing it for the sport. It's just a personal yeah. goal that I want to take off. I just want to reach a high standard. That makes sense. Who is, who's some of your inspirations? I mean, like, uh, as far as like pro bodybuilders, like what, what physique is like the best for you when you look at, you know, pro bodybuilders and some of the people that have been kind of inspirational for how you kind of train and do things. Um, or is it just, it's just Helmy. Helmy's my inspiration. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just so self-absorbed. I don't see anyone else. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it sounds cliche, but Ronnie Coleman, I think, yeah. is, you know, absolutely incredible. You know, he's the best of all time. Um, but guys on a sort of, you know, a lower, more real, realistic scale, I really like Chris Bumstead, but I like him for different reasons. He's more charismatic, whereas Ronnie is just a meathead monster who not many people could get very close to. And I admire his, you know, his resilience to get there. So much so that he completely wrecked himself um, physically. But um, I would say Chris Bumstead, and I really like the aesthetics of Harry Chupin. And they would be the sort of guys that I would look up to. But um, as I said, Dave, you know, I do this for a personal goal. I don't read into the yeah. sport too much. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for me, it was always uh, like Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler were kind of like the two, you know, big, big fans that I always had uh, looking at that type, those types of body types. I don't think I ever want to ever come close to being that big, nor competing in any way, shape or form. I'm in my 30s, you know, late 30s, coming into my 40s. But uh, it's, it's always inspiring to see those guys and how crazy big, you know, they've been able to do and perform and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think I think also when you know when you look at when you look at these guys and then obviously before you started training, Dave, you weren't you know as clued in with training and nutrition. But when you look at these guys and you realize how hard it is to actually transform your physique and how much you know it's crazy mental en- mental energy it takes, you, you you respect them more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's been the biggest surprise in this journey working with Ben is you know. 
you know, Ben basically guaranteed me a six pack of abs in a week, and it hasn't happened yet. So, you know, no, just kidding. But the amount of training that goes into, you know, making your body look that way is, I mean, it's like you'd mentioned, Helmy, it's, it's, it's everything that you do day in and day out, right? I mean, you wake up, you know, you're putting the time and effort into your body every single day, whether it's, you know, what you're eating, the supplements, or, you know, uh, the training that you put into, the focus that you're doing. It's, it's a, it's a whole different level of, of, charisma in your body versus somebody that, you know, may casually run or as a jogger or runner or things to that effect, or, you know, just doing things, you know, at the gym a couple times a week. You know, I always uh, told Ben, my biggest fear is, you know, I'll be that guy at the gym that, you know, a year from now still looks exactly the same as I did the year before. Right. I always want to continue to grow and get bigger and, and everything else. And it's incredible what these, these folks and obviously yourself and everybody else has been able to do, uh, the amount of dedication that takes to go and do it. And, and it just, and maybe you can give some, some, you'd mentioned early on about when you first start meeting with, with customers, you know, that, that mindset aspect, you know, how do you, how do you get people into that mindset aspect to kind of change their perspective on things and how this is going to be a long journey and, and to get to that type of mindset? Yeah. I think like, you know, if you look at anyone in any, end of our field of life, Dave, when they're fresh, you know, fresh out of water, only into um, a new job or just doing a, something different in their life. First of all, they need to feel like they have a purpose. And a lot of people, when when you don't feel like you have a purpose, you don't have the conviction, which means your action isn't going to be congruent with the end goal. So for me, it's getting people to understand that they have as much purpose as the people that they admire. The difference is obviously they just haven't done the steps yet. It's sort of like the work comes before the belief. So a big thing for me is, sounds crazy, but making making people feel deserving that they can actually progress. Um, once we conquer that, they then obviously, you know, have to have a sense of purpose so much so that they're willing to withstand challenges and I suppose not succumb to situations that are going to try and throw them off track, family events, and going out with their partner, which is absolutely nothing wrong with, but it's just about obviously, you know, making the best situ- uh, making the best decisions in them situations. But uh, the main thing I would say is purpose. Um, after purpose, uh, what else after purpose? If it's, if it's on a personal level, I'll, I'll obviously figure out their biggest limitations. And it always comes down to self-perception. It's always perception of themselves. Um, yeah. And once we can, you know, once I can get an idea of that, it's not something that I can say that they're going to change immediately. It's something that I will frame. Okay, I'm aware of this. When you start your journey, we will, you know, whenever we face this issue, we will deal with it then as opposed to trying to forecast something that is completely out of our control. So um, just, I, I suppose, building momentum and when, whenever you have that momentum behind you, sort of steering the car in different directions. And that's one thing that I promote massively as a coach, as opposed to me saying, right, this is your purpose. This is the best plan in the world. Go and do it. It's not like that. <laughs> what would you say that, that, I mean, well, there's two points I want to touch on. Number one, what would you say that the biggest sort of friction points are for you whenever you, whenever someone comes to you and you start talking to them about their mindset, they're like, no, I, I just want to fucking get bigger biceps and a six pack. Like, I don't, you know, my mindset, I don't really need to work on. Like, what are the, the biggest friction points and how do you overcome them with people? Because 
I know myself, and, and again, you know, we've had conversations like this before, and especially if you work with mentors, they're like, no, oh, you need to find out what their pain points are and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, this guy just wants a fucking six pack because he wants to look good for going on holiday. And you're like, you don't need to start getting into the nitty gritty with him. So, so how do you overcome that? Or what do you see sort of like, what's the biggest things to overcome on that front? Yeah. So when I'm speaking with someone that I'll be honest, the last thing I want to do is talk about logistics. I don't want to talk about how many grams of protein you're on a day. I don't want to talk about what's the best training split because it's all, it's not relevant. So for me, you know, everyone, as guys, you're always going to have that barrier up of, I can't show vulnerability this early on. But for me, it's trying to understand why someone doesn't want to show vulnerability. So it's sort of like, death by a thousand cuts it's about asking strategic questions instead of me saying um you know why like if they're saying to me that they want to go on holiday they want to impress girls or something like that i'm then going to try and strategically ask them is that something from within and try and get them to you know um talk about their intrinsic motivation as opposed to the external stuff so I suppose for me, it's about understanding what it is they actually want as opposed to the external stuff. And it can come in many forms, but ultimately it's just about asking the right questions. It depends on the person on the day. Yeah. And the other question you mentioned there, obviously, about the, the situations that people find themselves in. And I know that this is, is one thing that people will look at you and be like, oh, my God, he's at this fucking event of, you know, it's a christening or it's a whatever. And he's sitting there with his tubware eating his fucking chicken, chicken with his hands. Obviously, you know, it's different for you and what you're doing. And that's not all the approach that, that everybody wants to take. But how do you how do you then educate clients to the point where they know that they can have the things that they want and just manage it that slight bit better? And they don't need to sit there with their fucking scales weighing out their jam. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing, you know, for me, for you, for Dave, what we got at the start and what we do now is different. So getting people to understand, yeah. like for me, I would feel awful as a coach if I said to someone, dude, go to that christening, take your Tupperware. Like you would have, you would have to be an idiot to do stuff like that. Unless you're like, this. the, I, I want to, I want to speak about this too, about me not having chocolate pizza in a few years. It's just. I want to talk about that, but but ultimately I want to talk about know, that too. Actually, I want to talk about that too. But go ahead. But ultimately, it's about you know it's about educating your clients that you do not have to one hundred percent twenty four hours a day stick to your food plan to get to your goal because no one comes to me and says how many I I want to be you know I want to be a pro bodybuilder in the next two years. If that is the case, then of course the extremities of the approach they're going to be severe. But most people don't want that, so I think that it only makes sense to. Wait, help me. Are you saying that I could look like you in two years? Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, let's, let's talk after this. I might, I might need a new coach. Just, uh, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. You just have to bring your Tupperware everywhere. You bring your Tupperware everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> <just kidding. laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. So you're talking, you know. People give you shit all the time on social media for how your food looks and, you know, why don't you just eat this and whatever else. And obviously recently your coach recommended, and I would say that this, and correct me if I'm wrong, I would say that this is probably the only time that you've went against his advice. He obviously uh, suggested that you had a pizza or had a refeed meal or a cheat meal or whatever way you want to brand it, and you didn't do it. Now, I want to know. And everybody wants to know why you didn't do it. I obviously know what you did, and I'll link the fucking in the description, whatever I need to do. 
I want to know about that, but you're talking about people giving you a hard time for not eating chocolate, not eating pizza and things like that. So just talk a little bit on that. And I remember yeah. when we worked in the gym floor that you would go, go there my supplements here and come back and be like, just had 12 protein bars and they're driving the way back there. <laughs> so you have changed, like how you do things has changed it a lot. Yeah. I think, you know, it's the same as a, it, it, there's, I don't know why, but like from an early age, I've always had this, if it's not hard, I don't want that mentality. And I don't know where I get it from, but pretty much with the chocolate, with the pizza, I decided to just completely abolish it from my diet plan. Number one, because I knew it was going to be hard and I knew it was going to be a mind game. Um, and the second thing, obviously, I had to get to a point with my food that I couldn't have as much pizza and as much chocolate. But for me, it's just my personality. I'm stubborn. So when my coach said to me, Tell me, you can go and you can have a pizza, you can have that chocolate. But in my head, I'm saying, well, I've sort of built a personality, who I am today, the characteristics that I have and display, I've built that over a course of four years because of them actions. And for him to, you know, try and take that control away from me, it made made me feel a little bit uneasy and it made me question is he the authority and am I just subordinating to his opinion? Do you know what I mean? So it sounds silly, but it's just, it's ultimate control. And I did say to someone, I think it was yesterday, I did say, I do want to get to a point where I will allow myself to have pizza and have chocolate again in my life. Um, I just, I just don't know when. And it, it sounds crazy, but I just feel like, and I think it'll come with maturity, but I feel like I'm failing myself if I do it because I've built so much momentum with it, you know? Yeah. But do you think as well, like, and again, I remember, I remember being in the gym floor, you'd be like, oh, I've done, done three bars, 300 grams of dairy milk last night. And you would come in and you would like, like every single night. And obviously, you know, you were still obviously in really good shape, training at the same intensity, but obviously your nutrition didn't match that. So do you think it was the extremity of, how much you were, or the the maybe lack of control that you had in those situations, whenever chocolate was presented, or whatever the fuck it was, and then you were like, right, if I just abolish this completely, then I'm not in those situations. Yeah. So one thing that people I don't know they might know they might not know. I have Libyan genes, right? And if you're familiar with the Muslim world, Arab culture, food is just it's it's insane. It's like it's something you've never seen before. It's incredible. So growing food up, everywhere. My fa- yeah, my, like my, my family have always been foodies and I would go to the extent of saying my dad and my sister are chocoholics. Right? But growing up for me, it was, I'm a skinny kid. I can eat whatever I want. I was always eating chocolate. I was always eating everything. And I think that it annoyed me so much that I knew that I had to get off it, but I, uh, but I just didn't have the identity to get off it. So every time I've done it, I give myself a hard time going into the gym, done three bars last night. And that, I think that's the reason why I completely abolished it because it got to a point where I just felt like a huge failure every single time that I'd done it. And I'm not, I'm not blaming my family, of course. It was my actions. But I think <laughs> with doing it so much and not wanting to do it so much that it led me to a point where I just completely done away with it. <laughs> So what is what is your food what does your food actually look like in a room? So we've talked about the Tupperware, but what does your actual daily meals look like? I mean, are you just chicken and rice and that's it? Uh, you know, are you, <laughs> you know, whatever you think pro bodybuilder, it's chicken and rice, chicken and rice, chicken and rice. So you know, but 
Yeah. I mean, just just on that, Ben had to put a bagel up uh, last week, right? So Ben, ben had to put a bagel up. And it on just Instagram, looked, for people who don't know what put it up means, what he's talking about. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I put it on Instagram on a story, and I had screenshotted it, and I would shared it to my story. And people know that it's not going to be my food. But through, I would say, however long I've had Instagram, that bagel got a better response than any piece of food I've ever put on. I think what was funny about it was that the previous story was my chicken and rice. So, so every time people were replying like hard eyes, I was replying, what about the chicken and rice? But, um, but with food, yeah, so I don't, I don't have sauce. I don't have spices. I just salt my meals. And um, like, I'll just give you a brief rundown. So for breakfast, I'll just yeah. have uh, egg whites. Um, egg whites and cream of rice and then after that I'll have chicken and rice chicken and potatoes beef and cream of rice then chicken and sweet potato and then another omelette that's pretty clean I mean in and, and, and there obviously you're getting some fats uh, but predominantly protein and carbohydrate based right so low fat lowish fat uh, and then carbohydrates and protein being the two main main sources there yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, for me, Dave, it's um, uh, one thing that I was never in tune with was my digestion, and that's another reason why you know pizza scares me because it's been so long that I haven't had it. If I was to put it in, the cramps are incredible. But for me, the foods that I currently have in my food plan, the digestion, like how I digest them, is incredibly like well, and that's something yeah. that I suppose I've built over time. And I think it's one thing that not a lot of people are in tune with. And um, so the foods that I choose. It's not a chore. It's actually, I laugh at people who think it's hard. It's easy because I've been doing it so long. But I think the main thing is that the reason why I stay with it is because when I eat it, I digest it well. I feel vital. And yeah. cognitively, it helps me also. So, yeah, it's, it's dry for some people. But for me, it's, it's heaven. You, yeah, you, mentioned, you mentioned energy levels as, as part of that earlier on. How do you maintain energy levels throughout the day for what you're doing? So, like, what's what's your pre-workout meal look like? What's your post-meal work like, uh, out meal look like? And how do you maintain levels of energy throughout the entire day? Five so, scoops of pre-workout. <laughs> yeah, Seven thousand milligrams of caffeine. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of in terms of pre-workout at the minute, it's obviously changed with my food. And um, before it was incredible. There was rice cakes, jam banana cyclic dextrin but at the minute it's just pretty bland so at the minute i'll have my breakfast and then i'll have the chicken and rice and then I'm, i'll have um uh what's it called cyclic dextrin so i'll have 30 grams of cyclic dextrin for anyone that doesn't know what that is it's a powdered carbohydrate that um, pretty much just provides energy so that's what i'll have pre-workout um and then post workout. Do you do much? Early. Do you do much on the caffeine front? Are you a big caffeine person? I'll not. I'll not have coffee on the days that I train. So in a week, I'll have one or two coffees, max. Um, but you use the tape. The tape you prepare has caffeine in it. It's bound to have caffeine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just coffee itself. I'll never. I'll never have a coffee in a uh, pre workout in the same day. Yeah. Too mad. The, the other thing, so obviously you, you spoke about the the food side of things. Um, and obviously, you know, egg whites, chicken, rice, potatoes, 
at 3,500 calories, it's a lot of food volume. Like it's a lot, you know, it's not like little tiny meals, you're eating big meals. And then obviously whenever you bring it up in the 5,000 calorie range, it's a lot of fucking food. One thing I want to know that we obviously haven't spoken about that as your food has started to come down and you get to this stage, are you at the point now where you're starting to crave things and you're getting those like fucking mind games, giving you the wasa wasa at the end of the day? Yeah. So a few, a few things here. Um, I, I've been in Tesco browsing the aisles. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. Just go with it. Anyways. Have you ever heard of a mukbang? <laughs> no. <laughs> Right, it's not as sexual as you think. So I'm not, I'm not trying. <laughs> First time I heard it, I was like, "What the hell is that?" So a mukbang is if you type it on YouTube, you'll see it. And it's basically someone will, someone will go and they'll get multiple foods, and they will just give an audio tutorial and visual tutorial on YouTube of it. So they'll get like a McDonald's, Domino's, KFC, and then bars of chocolate, and they'll just try it, give their feedback, you know, that sort of thing. So I've been trying to get someone to do a mukbang. This sounds weird, but I get great pleasure out of buying someone food and smelling it and watching them eat it. <laughs> and that has amplified recently because I'm getting hungrier. So before, <laughs> so before I trained, I actually vlogged my nephew. Um, I tried a mukbang with him, but it just wasn't working. I got him to eat a milky bar and some Skittles, and that was it. <laughs> So cravings, yeah. Um, that, that's the thing. I am craving a, a little bit more than usual, but at the same time, I'm in that sort of stage where I know I need to control myself because if I, you know, get this show out of the way and I feel like right, that's it done. I can do whatever I want now. I will seriously hurt myself in terms of um, the cramps, digestion, and the things like that. So I'm happy enough just to go with the. Same, same food sources, but more. But then again, it's easier said than done whenever you're not as lean. So I'll see how it goes. But yeah, cravings definitely, definitely amplified. Do you think do you, as well? Oh, go ahead. Do you think as well that you, I know that the thing is, you know, after the show, everybody goes fucking mad and eats 10 burgers. Do you think you'll have a, I'm going to go out, enjoy this meal and then get straight back on it? Or are you going to be just off stage in your trunk eating your fucking chicken and rice? Well, th this is the thing, you know, with the not eating pizza and chocolate and stuff, it's not even a bodybuilding thing. This is what people don't understand. People think that I don't eat chocolate or pizza to have a better physique. It's not like that because there's guys out there that eat more burgers, more pizza, more chocolate, and they look better. They look better than me. The thing is just, it's a personality thing. So after the show, I mean, I don't know. I actually don't know. I, I, would, I would love a burger. I would love a burger. And yeah, but I, I don't know. If I, see, to be honest, if I get the result that I want to, I will be happy enough to reward myself with it. But it changes on the daily. It's, it's sounds crazy, but it's a little bit of a, can I control myself? It's just mind games. It is. I've, 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 I've contemplated doing the whole chicken and rice thing just to try it out for a little while to see how well it do. And Ben's, you know, Ben's more so like eat what you want to just make sure that it keeps within the confines of, you know, what you're doing from a macro perspective and making sure you're, 
you know, getting the right ample amounts of food and, and you know, protein and things to that effect. But I kind of want to do like a six month, you know, chicken and rice, you know, type of meal, like clean eating, you know, digestion, everything else. I'll tell you, I tried that cream of rice. I can't do it. It's like eating boogers to me. Uh, so, you know, I, how many will send you his tutorial on, on how to make it? Because whenever, whenever you make it properly, it's entirely different. Because I got a tub before and I was like, what? Which, fuck which, which flavors? Because you, you, you had me do that maple one and that was like eating ass. Uh, so, what other, what other flavors do you have? <laughs> the, tri- the triple, ch- I like the triple chocolate one, but how many okay. dis- disagrees. Yeah, the, the the best one is uh, chocolate hazelnut or vanilla. There's okay. not there's nothing else that compares. But it needs to be it needs to be made properly. You need to to make it properly because it it entirely changed the whole thing for me. Yeah, mine was like real clumpy and you know like no. real dry and you know I was just like I was like I was eating like paste. It was like the best way of of explaining it, right? So I definitely yeah. did not make it right. That's for sure. That's um that's that's what I said in one of my YouTube videos. There's there's too many people out there. They're either making stew or they're making soup when it comes to cream of rice. <laughs> yeah, it's either too lumpy or too watery. Now, cre- yeah. cream of rice is is obviously a, a a really good source of carbohydrates. I mean, is it a quick source for digestion? So, like you know, you're you're maximizing that very quickly. Yeah. So you would have it around. Well, I do this. Um, I have it around my training window because. There's virtually no digestion in it. It's already broken down. It's a powder form. So as soon as you obviously train, you want to replenish carbohydrates. You want to replenish protein. Um, so cream of rice seems to be the best option. Whenever you put it against oh, something like pops, oats. Man. Sorry, cocoa pops. Um, <laughs> whenever, whenever you put it against something like oats or something like that, it's just, you know, it's, it's something that's going to take a little bit longer. I wouldn't have yeah. a problem programming oats after a training session for clients, but whenever you start to scale it up, it is, I suppose, the most superior uh, source after you train. One thing, one thing I noticed with, uh, I, I'm a big fan of oatmeal, uh, so I have a lot of oatmeal that I'll do after training. So, but the issue I run into is that it takes so long to digest the oatmeal that I have a crash in between where I don't have enough ample energy. So, like, I'm just dead afterwards. Like, I have sluggishness. I can go take a nap. You know, like I just feel super tired afterwards because I have no energy. So, being able to replenish that energy very quickly to something that's that's easily digestible, I think, is a, is a good approach to that for sure. Yeah, I think I actually, for me with it. Go ahead. Can I go, Dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can go. Um, <laughs> I, I worked it out. I was in the car park of the gym that we worked in, Ben. And this, there was this one thing that kept happening to me, and it was annoying me. It was basically called a carb coma. Everyone knows what carb coma is. So yeah. I was eating too many carbohydrates in one certain, basically one sitting. And I worked out my threshold. My threshold was if I go beyond 90 grams of carbohydrates, that is when I start to notice a slump. So if just, I don't know if you want to take it on board, Dave, but with the oatmeal, if you were to mess about with the serving size to see if you get a different outcome, I found it incredibly well because I knew where my limit was. And when I stayed below that, it actually helped with my productivity. Yeah, it makes sense. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at. I, you know, maybe balancing to a little bit of the cream of rice, not maple flavored, uh, and then the uh, maybe some oatmeal would be good. <laughs> the cream of rice, the cream of rice for me, it, it was, it was a food volume thing. So like, 
I always have oats before I train, but there gets a certain point where you're having a big fucking bowl of oats. Like, you know, whenever you're 120, 150 grams plus of oats, like it's a, it's a, a lot to get through. And then you're talking about wanting to have a nap. So the cream of rice is me. It was, it was for the volume and for the, you know, I could have it a lot closer to, to training and I was still actually able to function. Um, so that's where it came in for me, but only after I actually was able to make it in the right way. I'll uh, I'll definitely go through that video to see if I can get the the perfect technique down for. <laughs> we'll link it. So, um, if you so, send me that, if you send me it, I'll link it in the in the show notes. You get get all hits. <laughs> so it doesn't taste like paste or ass. I got it. Okay, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when, when, when Dave said it, it's like ass. I'm asking different questions. What? How do you know what ass is? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Right. So talk to us then. The show is in 15 days, yeah? 15 days. So what, obviously, you know, there's the peak week conversation and all that sort of stuff. So obviously you have never went through this with Patrick. So what do you sort of expect in that week coming up or what does that, what does that look like for you? You know what? I would love to give you something elaborate, even for my insanity and reassurance. But with, with my coach, it's literally, you know, we've been working together for, say, 10 months, right? And this is the way it works. On a Monday, I'll message him photos and I will get one or two responses and that's it. So this is how I'm looking. This is how I'm feeling. Right, okay, change this. Don't change that. When it came to, I, I had asked about bringing my food over because I'm going to fly my sister over and I'm wondering if she should bring my food over to me or is it going to completely, you know, rotate? But from my experience from doing a photo shoot before, the food completely changed on the last week. Um, but he said, we're going to have the same foods, just different amounts. So I actually, I don't know how the pick week is going to go. Um, and I don't think he knows either until he sees what I'm looking like at the end of the week. But I mean, wh- what is a pick week? A pick week for everyone is pretty much zero carbohydrates, high, high water, possibly diuretics, and um, dragging your claws about the floor until you get the stage. <laughs> but do you think that that differs based on how ready you are? And this is, you know, I think we've had this conversation before, like you can be so ready that you don't need to do that water manipulation. You don't need to eat fucking thousands of grams of carbs or no grams of carbs or whatever. So if you're ready, bang on the day, there's not that sort of extreme, like, oh, I have to go through this fucking shit show for a week here to get out the other side of it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So people, people will message me and they would say, um, should I water load? Should I do this? Should I do that? You have to be in a position, you know, to do a proper pick week because the whole idea of a pick week is pretty much like it's getting the final detail out. And in order to get the final detail out, you need to be in a position to, as in you can't have too much body fat on your body. So for me, you know, we've already spoken about this, Ben. I'm not going to be the most inside out guy on stage. I'm not going to be completely shredded, but I'm fine with that because as long as, you know, there's detail in the muscle, I'm bringing enough size. And that puts me in a position where I'm thinking, I don't think that my peak week is going to be anything too drastic because I'm not in a position where I'm like, you know, deck skin shredded. Yeah. I think, you know, again, I guess you could probably touch on it, but, you know, the, the category that you're competing in has changed. And I think that the look for that will be entirely different as to what you had sort of initially thought. And I think that, you know, even 
the I think it was that day that we trained legs and, and Ram was shooting the video, you know, you were like you didn't feel like you were in the position that you should be. And then even as simple as having a shave and removing the body hair, you were like, Oh fuck, actually I'm in a much better position than I thought. So even that accompanied with the tan, like all those you were talking about getting the finer details, like all those things that happened like super, super last minute are all to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, like it did throw me off with regards to I was originally supposed to do classic physique and then I didn't I, I was I could never meet the weight category because I'm currently hundred and one kilo. The weight category was like ninety-two kilo. So I probably would have had to take like a leg or two off to get on stage and <laughs> that, that's not ideal. But we went from classic physique, which is, you know, it's charismatic, it's a complete different look, and it's different poses. The judges are obviously looking for different specifications. And then we're going over to heavyweight bodybuilding, which for me is like, you know, shave your head and put on as much muscle as possible. <laughs> so auto- automatically, you know, I, I assume this ain't going to work out. But what I realize is that there's a big difference between UK and USA in terms of, you know, categories. Like uh, a heavyweight bodybuilder in the US is completely different from UK. Obviously, just like everything in the US, they do everything at scale. So that sort of reassure, that, that, <laughs> that sounded, that's, that's why I'm telling you to bring me up stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but obviously, like when I looked into it, I was like, it's not so bad. But yeah, it sort of, um, it did sort of throw me off. Um, even though I still don't feel 100% ready, but I know, I know I will be. I'm sure that's the, thing, the way you feel like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you'll never feel like you're hundred percent ready, but getting to it. I know one of the things that Ben had mentioned is that you're in, it was one of your, in one of your leg videos is that you've been um, dealing with injury, right? How, how are you overcoming that and how are you dealing with that? Oh my gosh, I got to rip on my sleeve here. I just noticed that. For those that are, that are not watching YouTube, I have a rip in my, my t-shirt here. I must have uh, flexed his shoulder. Dude, his helmet comes on, off I, I grew 10 sizes too big for my shirt. So that's what <laughs> Damn, it's a new shirt too. I really like this one. Anyways. All right. Go. <laughs> um, so with, with the injuries, you know, it's for I was I was deadlifting. Um, I deadlifted three hundred kilo. I pulled six hundred and sixty pounds. I pulled it for three reps, but I knew on rep one my back was gone. But I don't know why I've done the additional two. So I popped my SI joint out of place. In terms of how you deal with that, Dave, you know, it's I went. I seen a physio. He said rest it, put ice on it, everything like that. But for me. You can't rush an injury, so I just had to work around it. So if I could train my arms, I was training my arms. Obviously, I couldn't train my legs. And then after that, um, I'd injured my leg. Same process. There's nothing my coach can do. There's nothing a physio can do in order to speed the process. It's just about me, obviously, working around it. And what I mean by that is training what I can train, still sticking to my food plan while having you know a, a level head. Um, but the main thing is just it's when it comes to injuries, it's just time, time, and obviously not trying to rush the process because you'll just end up prolonging the injury. And I guess that's a, a question I have too. So, uh, on, on, you mentioned the training piece you're doing. Uh, what did you say, three hundred fifty on deadlift? Three hundred kilo. 
360 pounds. Oh dear God. Okay. So <laughs> I, for, for you, I mean, is it, um, is it, is it the amount of weight that you're pushing or is it volume? Like how do you track, like what's, what's your best advice for muscle hypertrophy, growing muscles? And, uh, you know, is it, is it the strength aspect of things and going super heavy or is it, you know, like, where do you, where do you kind of draw your program at to maximize muscle growth? Remember I said at the start of the video about skill acquisition. So that's obviously going to vary yep. per person. So if I was to take someone on board and they weren't, you know, too experienced, we're going to go for the typical four sets of 10 to 12 reps. And I suppose the same principle applies with four sets of 10 to 12 to two sets of eight to 10. And then principles are you have to be stable. So you need to ensure that your body has stability as in you're bracing in the right places. And then the second thing is, um, ensuring that you have a quality connection with the muscle. And then the third thing would be putting yourself in a position where you're progressively getting stronger while keeping the same consistencies, you know, with your setup, with the exercise in place. And yep. I would say that goes across the board for anyone wanting to build muscle. And um, I'm going to also contradict myself a little bit. When it, co when it comes to... Um, that connection with the muscle. As you start to get bigger, Dave, you'll find that you can sort of put it on automatic. So you don't have to sit and think about a mind-muscle connection and you don't have to melt your head and change things until you get that sweet pump. You can put it on automatic because there's enough muscle fibers there to take care of it itself. Um, I found that's a difference between me doing four sets of 12 to two sets of 10. I don't have to think about a mind-muscle connection because it just happens automatically. So it's yep. something that whenever you're training, you will progress on that stage. Now, do you try? It's a you, good. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Ben. I think it's it's a good point to know, and you know, obviously everybody looks for the perfect split, and you know, like how can I look like this and then look like that, and obviously you and I've been training together for a while, and you know, if if you tell people what the training actually looks like you know you're not talking about these fucking magic rep ranges and whatever else it's literally like we'll do two working sets and that's it and people are like well, you, yeah. what do you mean is that and it's a case of i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong here but basically for me if we're doing six to ten if we are in a position on the first set that we get more than ten then we put more weight on it for the second set and if we don't we keep it the same weight like it's as, it's as simple yeah. as that and there's yeah. not you know there's not back offsets and fucking handstand push-ups in between and all this fucking fancy shit just to try and get you somewhere. Yeah. Uh, do you mind trying to throw a toilet? I'm down to go. No. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I really need to go. <laughs> well, when you're pushing 3,500, 4,000 calories, that's, this is what happens, folks. And I can attest because at one point I was up to 4,000 calories and uh, – I would use the bathroom all the time. Bathroom so. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the issue, that I, can I can actually sort of relate to this in terms of like where he's at in terms of prep. So, so okay, he's still on 3,500 calories is quite a lot, but obviously he's used to, to having a lot more calories. And obviously, you know, drinking four, five, six liters of water per day. If there's less food in your system, and we've talked about this before in terms of like carbs or more than water, the water will literally the food. Do you know what I mean? You know, you will go to the bathroom or whatever else. So you do get to that stage where everything's just a little bit, I guess it's just a little bit more complicated. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and, I think, and I think um, we're talking about his program about how he's, how he's you know, lifting or whatnot. Lifting I, mean, I, I, I like the simplicity of what you had mentioned before in previous podcasts. You, 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 know, you, you, know, you do, you do as well, which is, you know, if you're looking for that five to ten rep range, get the ten, put more weight on, right? And then you're just sitting there. That's how you feel yourself, your body, your body. It takes all of the complexities of having to write it down all the time. You know, you have a general idea where you're at, and when you continuously, you know, add on to there, add on to get stronger, stronger, so. Man, doing six yeah, six fifty or whatever I done that. Six six That's some goals. The, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about you know, and it's exactly what what happens in the skill acquisition. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I have started to train the way that I train now, I probably would need to move less. It's about some people do need to do more reps and more sets because the more that you do, the better you will become in terms of that actual So yeah, you know. I wouldn't, if you're listening to this, being like, well, maybe I just need to go and just do five to ten reps. It's like, it takes time to actually get there, and it takes time to actually, you know, it's again, I was just saying that it takes time to actually get there in terms of what you're saying about skill acquisition, and, you know, some people at the start will need to do higher rep ranges and more reps so they actually get the feeling for the muscle and what it should be like. But obviously you get to a stage that, and again, I I guess actually one thing to, to note on this is the intensity. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you have somebody and again me at the start of training like you couldn't have given me two sets of six to ten and told me to go away because i wouldn't have i wouldn't have had the intensity i would have done it and been like oh yeah that was that was easy whereas the sort of mental battle that goes into it and the sort of mental preparation and the fact that we fucking both train with our headphones and don't speak to each other you know that sort of you can't teach that it comes from time and it comes from literally putting the reps in to go right okay you know exactly what you're going in to get here and to quote you if it's on the table you fucking take it how um so when you when uh I totally forgot what I was gonna say. It was it was so good. It was so good too, but Beck kept talking. No, no, uh so when you're you know, from from a, a training perspective, you know, I think one thing that you uh did really well with me early on, Ben, was you know, the the weight aspect of things wasn't a concern. It was proper form and technique and really developing that mind muscle body connection, right? And I think Helmy hit on that too. When he gets a new person coming in, you know, that he's gonna be training it's really focused on that technique. You don't want to be throwing weights up on there and you don't want to be destroying yourself and, and causing injury. And then from there, you start to get an understanding of your body, what it's capable of doing. And then from there, you start to do it. My question um, to you now, obviously being being much more in the advanced states of things, do you train to muscle failure every time to where you cannot do another rep? I mean, you're just destroyed or is it you know more of a, you feel your muscles and where you're at and where you want to go with it? Is this for me yet? That's for you. Yes. Welcome, welcome back from the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously, you know, um, it differs on the exercise, Dave. So this is an example, right? Whenever you're training, you're going to have two types of fatigue. You're going to have systemic, and you're going to have local fatigue. So when it comes to a deadlift, I am systemically done locally. My muscles they can go all day. So what I find is when it comes to compound exercises you'll be more systemically spent, if that's a word in America. Um, yeah. You'll be more systemically, you know, um, spent. Whereas when it's when it's in isolation, you know, dumbbell curves, tricep extension, side auto raises, I do think that that would be the position where you do want to reach failure, muscle failure, local failure, where you can't go anymore. Um, that's my personal experience. That makes sense. My last, my last question, because we're running out of time now, but uh, my last question for you is one of the things that I always found fascinating is that, you know, Ben is obviously a trainer and Ben has a trainer and you have a trainer. 
So, you know, explain to me, like, why a trainer is important as a trainer to have a trainer. Because, you know, to me, I, I, you know, I understand, you know, when I'm first starting off and everything else, you know, I need, I need somebody there to guide me and to grow. And I never thought about it from a trainer's perspective. A trainer also needs somebody there to help them and to watch them and to grow. So that, that, that oversight and that commitment, I think, is really important for folks to understand is that, you know, having a personal trainer, while it's a, a big step in commitment, the oversight, the structure, the program, and somebody being able to look at you from a whole picture perspective, regardless of where you're at in your stage, whether you're just starting off or all the way to pro bodybuilding, you know, is such an important piece uh, to consistency and, and, and kind of making progress along. So love to hear your thoughts on that. And like, why, why do you still have a trainer? Yeah, I honestly, Dave, it's because, it, well, a big thing is, you know, a lot of people don't have self-insight and whenever you're in the process so much you can get inside your own head it doesn't matter like this is the thing i don't i'm not um i'm not insecure or i don't believe that i don't know enough when it comes to knowledge of my training and nutrition i'm absolutely fine with it but it's about pulling the trigger at the right point and this has to come from a rational standpoint someone who has a different set of eyes on you um and for me, it's obviously, you know, the accountability and the commitment by me paying another trainer. Like a lot of people look at it as I'm directly, you know, working with that guy, but it's me committing to myself. And he is obviously providing the tools. Um, another thing is when I'm working on someone else's standard, then I'm going to exceed what I know. And I'm going to operate at a much faster and a much higher pace um, than if I was to do it uh, by myself. So there's multiple reasons, but I would say the main thing, and a lot of people will say this, when it comes to cutting your, your head, you do not think rationally. You're completely irrational and you can find it really hard to make deductions in food when you need to make deductions. So it's better to outsource that for someone to give you what you need. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, I'll tell you, when I first started off, there were times where I was going through kind of my transition phase of, you know, being skinny fats and into, you know, actually putting on muscle and being able to understand what my body type was. And I'd be like, Ben, I don't feel like I'm making any progress. And then, you know, I'd start getting into my own head and I'd be like, is this even working? And, you know, Ben would be like, just step back for a second. Let's take a picture of you when you first started to, to where you're at now. And that program and the data and the measurements and everything else that goes along with that you know, shows that progress over time. And here's the thing, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, a bodybuilder in a year, you know, it's going to take you some years to un unjack what you've done before in the past. And having that, you know, program in person to help you kind of push you forward, I think is, is such an important aspect to, to being successful in this. I mean, I've never been able to be successful in my entire life, um, you know, with something like this until I had gone with a trainer, until I'd gone with Ben um, as part of that. So I think, and I can't, you know, test, testament enough about having your own trainer, regardless of what stage you're at, you know, to help push you forward, right? Yeah, I think, yeah. you know what, I was I was thinking about this also earlier. Um, when it comes to, you know, hiring a coach, I, I genuinely believe that the people that receive the best results are the people that use the coach for his tools, as opposed to relying on him yeah. for their lack of, I suppose, um, intrinsic motivation. I find they're the people who, you know, no matter no matter what they do, they're going to find a way to progress. But the coach just obviously is is going to, um, it's going to obviously help progress that further. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for me is 
obviously, and you know, again, I, I know you're saying that you know the things that you will have learned working from Patrick, you would never, never learned, you know, doing that shit by yourself, or it would have taken you infinite amount of time longer. And then obviously, we can feed that back into to what we do. Um, so I think that that's another big aspect of it as well. And you know, you, you hit the nail on the head of you then operate at a, a different standard because, you know, we're we're built that, you know, we're okay to let ourselves down, but we don't fucking want to let everybody else down. Especially, you know, if you're saying that he's working with people who are on the Olympic stage, you're like, well, if I'm working with him, I need to be working at that level or else he's just going to fucking start me off. Yeah, literally. That's, that's, I had that conversation the other day with someone, you know, whenever you're by yourself and you're working at your own standard, you're just going to do things when you want to do things, you know, your goals are circumstantially, but when you're working with someone that's such a high caliber, it's like, it, you know, what you do on a daily basis, it's greater than a session or a chicken and rice meal. That has, it's, it's much greater than that. I think, again, someone put this back to me the other day. It's almost like the, you start to see it as a privilege to work with this person and you don't you don't take the piss out of it do you know what I mean and I think that that's sort of a good insight to it that yes okay you could look at it well I'm paying this fucking guy so you know he works for me or whatever but it's almost a privilege to work with people at the level that, that they do yeah yeah definitely so I'm going to do the usual work and everybody find you I'll link all the yeah. shit in the show notes I'll put that whatever but if you want to if you want to tell people where to, where to find not literally don't be giving them the address yeah. to the gym just like social media <laughs> as soon as you said that how did you know I was going to say the address of the gym because <laughs> I, I know I know how your brain works um, so social media main thing it would be just Instagram so just Helmi Danini. I'm going to spell that H E L M I Danini D N E N I. If you type that in, you will see me standing with the top one. Um, that's probably it. Instagram would be the only place. Um, also, YouTube, same thing again. Just type my name in, Helmi Danini. Um, I document my road to pro on there and going to be a big YouTuber in the future. Doing vlogs. <laughs> I'm on the YouTube channel too. Yeah, I've had, I've had big features, so I mean, catch me there. Yeah. Um, usual stuff from us. We hack health across all social media platforms. Um, and yeah, I mean, thanks for coming on. And I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, so so nice I to think finally I've, meet you, man. And uh, you know, I've heard so much about you. It's good to meet you in person, and obviously virtually. But uh, you know, uh, it's maybe awesome you can come over here know. and you can train in the in the dungeon with us. Hey, listen, I might plan. I might plan that. Maybe maybe we'll do something this year or next year. I'll. Uh, you know, I'll try to try to out deadlift. Tell me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could <laughs> we could do uh, we could take him to for a cold water swim. No, that's, oh, not, yeah. that's not happening. <laughs> Man, my flight just got changed. It's so weird. You know? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you very much. I'll catch you next week. See y'all later. See you later. Bye.